to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. When the righteous are authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Any nation on the earth, you see the people's dismay. They may have, they may have uh, elected a certain ruler, hoping for benefits. But then they see the opposite happening, tremendous groans. Or rulers that have assumed power through deceit and through force. No people are happy when these things happen. But a nation that loves God and fears God typically will not have a wicked ruler come over them. Outside of God's divine sovereign plan for something better down the road, such as we see in the case of the family of Jacob, Israel, in Egypt. It was prophesied what would happen. They came out with the greatest act of redemption, foreshadowing redemption of the cross of Christ way back in Exodus. They came out with treasure and spoil. Outside of that sovereign act of God to orchestrate certain political situations for the ultimate good of his people, not due to the sins of the people, his people never have to fear anything, even in that case. But generally speaking, people who are righteous, God will not allow wicked people to rule over them. Certainly, the wicked people will not be able to touch them. God can raise up a pharaoh to show his glory and power, to knock him down for all his pride and make a full, open show to destroy the wisdom of the heathen and all of their gods, no matter how many dogs, cats, rats, whatever they worship, snakes, in one tremendous act of power and superiority, God can put them all to shame. That's what he did. He showed there's no other God but me. And Pharaoh challenged God. He was crushed and utterly destroyed. His name is ever etched in infamy. Because he dared to play God and challenge God. God is a merciful God. If it's true in the Bible that is recorded, he's not willing that any man should perish, any should perish. Then what was the case with Pharaoh? That verse is all inclusive of mankind. He didn't want Pharaoh to perish. But Pharaoh kept begging him to fight him and to try to show that he's superior to God. 
God gave him space. God gave him plagues to warn him and chastise him. He knew he will harden his heart. But it was a choice on Pharaoh's part. He hardened his neck. Refused, even though he saw, as much as you can step outside your house today, look at the sky and see tremendous downpour of rain. Imagine seeing hailstones, rocks falling from the ground. Not one or two. Millions of rocks from the sky, destroying all the cattle and everything. There isn't enough for him. Go to get a cup of water, you open the tap and blood comes out. You go to Walmart to buy some water, bottles are full of blood. You think, I'm going to go to the source. Let me go to, I don't know what these people are doing. Go to the lake or river, the whole thing is blood. What horror. Who would not bow down right there and say, this power is too much for me. No matter what I thought I was, think I can do, I'm at the mercy of this God. I don't know who he is, but he has power over everything. And I'm in trouble with him. I need to get on his good side. He's so wicked. That's why his end was so devastating. And etched in history forever as an example of the utter folly and pride of a mere mortal against the immortal God. But that ruler was there and it's not written that the Israelites, the tribes of Jacob were wicked but they were under oppression and God was watching. He had a deliverer. There was a time and a season. But even in the midst of that, God always provides, always protects. There's a protection of God even in the midst of suffering and oppression. There's a shield and favor still for eternal, ultimate prosperity. If the apostle could say, the afflictions, the tribulations, the things we face now are but a light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory awaiting us. Israelites who were faithful to God surely could have claimed the same fate. God is still working, refused to disbelieve God, waiting on him, waiting on him, waiting on, on him. He will surely see me through. But that wicked ruler came up, not because of sin. So people that do not sin against God, people who fear God, whether it's a family, a community, or a nation, God will work everything out for the good of his people. Nonetheless, whether the wicked man comes to power through wicked people electing that wicked man, or God in his sovereignty temporarily places a pharaoh over people who are not otherwise wicked, in either case, it's not a pleasant thing to have the wicked rule. Even the wicked people will come to admit, just like in fascist Germany in the 1930s and 40s. 
under Hitler that is. Many innocent people bought the lie. Even the British government thought that he was okay. They ignored the warning signs. Then the monster was unleashed to the world. All of a sudden, the world's security was in jeopardy through this madman, certainly possessed of Satan. To kill people by the millions, prominently Jewish people, who? The very descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Among the people he killed and wanted to kill were also people of other races that he thought were inferior. First and foremost, the satanic anger was unleashed against God's chosen people. But included was people who are also retarded and handicapped. And all the experiments they did, so-called experiments, it's just too much. It's too much. We see the very graphic display of a wicked man in power, what he will do and to what extent he'll go and how he will stop for nothing to get his greed satisfied for power, oppression, wealth, lust for everything. Utterly destroy fellow human beings. No one's happy when the wicked rules. When the manifestation of the wickedness begins to infringe upon their once thought of inalienable rights, basic human freedoms. But it's inevitable. Inevitable. When a man is not surrendered to God, anything is possible in the negative. Verse 3, Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. We spoke about how to make the father's heart glad by loving wisdom. The fear of the God the Lord God of God God of all flesh God of the universe is the beginning of wisdom and that person will be led by the spirit of wisdom to watch how he spends those three T's talents that are bestowed upon him or her the treasure that's been entrusted to him or her the time that's allotted to to that human life, that span of life. Did I want to get the maximum out of this? As we heard yesterday, Sunday service, people of the world who are really bent and obsessed and possessed with a vision and an idea or an invention or desire to succeed, perform some feat, will make sure they exhaust and extract and use to the fullest extent possible every resource available in the quest to fulfill that dream or idea. 
many of them have done it in this world who don't know God how much more the believer to carefully watch what a privilege now we can readily say I failed Lord I know what the ideal is I know what I should be doing but I, I have to confess I've not done you know Lord better than me I've not used the talents you've given me Lord the way you want me to Lord what a shame it was all about me mainly. I thought it was all for me I thought the gifts were for me to keep and to spend on me I didn't think about other people I didn't think about your kingdom Lord but now you're bringing that back to me Lord the time that you gave me I haven't really used it fully for you there's been a dissipation Lord things have been out of order I may have gone to school on time and gone to work paid my bills went grocery shopping the lawn and raise the kids and do my duties as a husband or wife but still overall what the world will give me a check mark for a good citizen model husband wife good child great student excellent worker but in your side lord there's been dissipation there's been time you see in days past and in certain economic conditions now as we speak people get up in the morning leave for work maybe three four o'clock in the morning in certain locales and they come home 10 11 at night hardly any time to even breathe a word to the family not even the spouse because the wages are so low as a person of necessity has to work 18 19 hours the body has to get accustomed to there's no choice three hours of sleep every day go grind outside to do what bring a meager amount to buy a little bit of rice or flour see how the family can be sustained that's it there's actually no room for dissipation there although during their duties their mental energies can be dissipated the imagination can be defiled and preoccupied no thought of god but it's a far cry from what we are given today we have the ability to waste time in a big way and that too bring disorder contrary to god's order in his plan so there's a lament as a cry for the christian that has any amount of integrity the lord i see i wasted so much time their freedom and latitude to choose to set aside some time to spend with the child spend with the spouse not business and goal oriented to accomplish something but to have relationship to have laughter to have joy enjoy one another's company and convey love and help the child to know the child is loved to give in to the wisdom and understanding that the child needs my attention i need to sit down and look into my child's eyes and hug the child and have the child in the lap and teach the child and spend time of course that's a absolute 
commandment of God to love and to spend time especially with the luxurious freedom and opportunity and time that we've been given in our generation with access to wealth even some of the poorest people in this nation would be considered living at a good standard of living by many other people in other countries because they have access to resources or God gives us the time to spend with our family at the same time there's a consciousness of time ticking and a profit that should come out of the time that God has given the treasure and the talent to see whether I'm becoming more like my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to understand the call of God on my life do you know what you're doing right now is part of his call right now you may be an accountant you may be an engineer you may be a physician on the line this morning you may be an educator you may be a blue collar worker white collar worker you may be a homemaker being here this morning part of the call because it's part of training for the fulfillment of your place in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. God gives pastors, teachers, etc. for the training and equipping of the saints to fit in God's great master plan to function the way he intended. Not just Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon or evening, midweek Bible study, anytime. God calls and we show up He has something for us and we embrace that. If we make our Father's heart glad, we need to take care of the things He's given us. The time, talent, and the treasure to make sure we're using it all to please Him. Within that, the latitude is there to choose to sit down with the wife the husband they have relationship fellowship to choose husband and wife we want to spend time with the child now to enjoy the child that God has given for the children and to convey God's love to the child to be thankful too many people get married it becomes a business contract of sorts and depending upon the financial situation sometimes it's very difficult to find time but we have to make time but in many cases time is available but the priorities are out of order till somebody gets an inkling that i ought to be thankful for what god has given me my spouse my children things he's put into my hands the time the talent the treasure not to enjoy and the father delights in our rejoicing his heart and rejoicing each other's hearts he's happy he created a man and woman to be together in marriage and everything that they're supposed to do in marriage god is actually happy about it he's not selfish thinking now they're to themselves 
ignoring me. No, he's part of everything because he created everything. An individual that's single, God is happy when they take time for some recreation. Hallelujah. God is happy when they take time to spend with each other. He's involved. If he was so keen on seeing what Adam would call each of the animals, God is very involved in your life. He's happy when you go grocery shopping. When you do it his way. It's not something uh, fulfilling your calling per se at that point, but it's part of the life that he's ordained for us and so he's involved. It's something that is uh, important to understand that God loves us so much just as a husband or wife would love each other that if the wife should want to spend time knitting or cleaning and enjoys that, organizing, the husband that is not into cleaning or organizing, knitting, deliberately sit down and because of love inquire as to how he can participate or help. I know someone on the call this morning. She's there. She's into a certain activity, a hobby perhaps, and the husband who was not into it learned that hobby, became an expert of sorts, and enjoys it together. That's an expression of love. There are different ways to express the love. God does it in many, many different ways. And we're entitled and we're supposed to use that gift. The election of the will and heart to say, how can I ease the tension and make somebody happy? And participate in things that the other individual likes that I may not necessarily like. But I learned to like it because of love. Similarly with the children. Even the children to the parents. Perhaps an older child. Nothing's too old-fashioned for that child when it comes to mom or dad. You know why? Because of love. Inasmuch as God wants us to rejoice his heart, by understanding what his will is, what he desires, especially since he's God Almighty. We're called to be interested in one another, especially in the immediate family, then in the body of Christ. And then, care about neighbors, people around us, to the extent that it is tenable, that it is wise in the sight of God. Nothing should be done overboard or out of context. And very often that's the problem. People take the truth and it becomes twisted and everything becomes lopsided. They come up with their own theology and all, own reasons for why they 
to do certain things. We need to know what God wants. Stick with that. But this morning we see that uh, we can please God and the same God who says love me with everything you have, love one another. The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. Money and the greed for money, property, material gain, it's a dangerous thing. It can be very alluring, very uh, seductive. Because immediately we think about net gain. This can be my possession now. What I can do with this. And all I have to do is what? Pervert justice? All I have to do is look the other way. Don't say anything. How many people have gotten paid in various ways? Not just money. Because they were told, you didn't hear about this, okay? You didn't see this, even though they did hear and see. Because they agreed not to hear or see, they received the reward. It was a bribe to pervert justice. And most people take it. But the believer should stay far away from covetousness because God equates that with idolatry. And there's no idolatry going to heaven. Verse 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads the net for his feet. What is flattery? It's an exaggeration. It's actually a lie. It's a deceptive talk to make the person feel that they are good or have something good when the person who's speaking actually really doesn't even believe that. But they're pumping that person up because of advantage, perhaps. It's uh, excessive or it's insincere praise. It's better not to say anything rather than insincerely praise somebody or excessively. And so our words are brought to the bar of God, judgment seat, courtroom, so that judicial prudence can be applied before we let the words out. Come to the courts of heaven. Ask the Lord, this is what I feel like saying, should I say it, Lord? What a beautiful thing, what a wonderful opportunity and privilege to have that ability to restrain oneself and to bring it to God before doing something or speaking something. What a gift. The more we exercise it, the more opportunity God will give till we can actually speak the words of God and do things uh, with wisdom. So much potential we have in the Lord. So many good things we can do and so much of growth that we can proactively be involved in with regards to spiritual progress. By seeing all the different ways in which God really can change me and use me to bring his presence to any situation. To come to God and ask him, Lord, what's your official decree regarding this? Should I 
save this? Should I do this? Perhaps sometimes the Lord will say that's flattery, that's gossip. Those are words that are like piercings of a sword. And it's not my will. And we learn like the horse that was used an example, as an example. And the mule with bit and bridle through pain, they have to be restrained. That we don't have to be that way. We can uh, use the wonderful mind that God's given us, the will, to say, Lord, I need your help to show me. To show me, Lord, how I should speak, what I should do. I don't have to go through pain to learn. That's not God's intent, to chasten with pain, but with instruction to correct. I can use what God's given me and decide, can I detect flattery in my life? How how else are we going to use these things? If God says, I'm cautioning you about pride, I'm cautioning you about gossip and flattery, I'm cautioning you about um, all of these things, then how else are we going to improve in these things unless we look at them one by one? How else are we going to improve? So it's our privilege as we hear these things to have a determination if I've ever flattered people before for whatever reason out of fear, out of pride, out of self-gain in mind nervousness just to say something feeling awkward if I don't say anything whatever reason it is to really say um, I really don't want this in my life at all I want God to help me work on it with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to cut it down, root it out. Similarly with gossip, similarly with lying. It's just a great privilege to bring these things that God points out to His feet and say, Lord, never want to spread a net for my neighbor's feet by flattery. It's amazing, isn't it, how seriously God takes certain things that we may think don't even exist or matter. Because they all have to do with symptoms of a heart. And we want our hearts to be strong and healthy before God, holy and upright. Verse 6, Proverbs 29, By transgression an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. There's freedom. The way of wickedness, laziness, and evil is a path full of thorns. It's a trap. Any person that sins is laying up a trap for his or her own soul. Because the wages of sin is death. Is going to work for Satan. And Satan will never treat us right. The devil says trick or treat. 
Which one would you prefer? His trick is death and his treat is death. And so the trap is laid by the individual that violates God's will. And it's always the case. But the child that is righteous is able to rejoice and sing, thank you God for the best life you've given me, hallelujah. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Thank God Almighty, I am free. Who did it? God did it. He helped me to see I can live a day even if I woke up with bodily affliction or mental fog or bad dream or something disturbed me during the night, I can still say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and sing to Him. Hallelujah. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. I can sing. Because the fact remains, my conscience clear before my Father, and if it has been defiled to come right to his feet, to have the blood of Jesus cleanse me, I can go with a brand new start for the day. That's the nature of God. He's such a good God. He is so good, unlike any human being you or I know. Better than the best human being. He instantly forgives. Hallelujah. Who is like our Father? No one like Him. He instantly changes the day for the one who comes to Him and says, Lord, would you direct my steps today? I didn't do a good job of following you, Lord, maybe yesterday or last week, but Lord, I really want you to direct. He doesn't become angry. He's a Father who says, I was waiting for you to ask me. Come, sit on my lap. Let me hug you and show you how much I love you. And this we're gonna, this is how we're going to do this. Today is going to be a glorious day because I'm with you. You're with me. How beautiful our Lord is. So the righteous can truly rejoice and sing. It's a new day. God is doing a new thing. And I thank God every day we can legitimately say, it's a new day. But God wants to shower blessings upon us. We know the world is full of chaos and evil everywhere. But we are protected with the shield of favor from the Almighty God. Because He loves us, He's all-powerful, and He keeps His promise. He says, uh, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Look, I'm taking your right hand. I'm taking your hand with my right hand of righteousness. I'm holding you. I'll be with you. Trust in me. And all will be well. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? In fact, those of you who the Lord has spoken to, you can go ahead and pray.